Of course, an eventful week in Hawkeye athletics. We're here talking football for the next 60 minutes with you right at the Voice of College Football on our Iowa live show with Corey Bratta from the Hawkeye of the Storm. And, uh, of course, uh, uh, the women's basketball team uh, made it to the national championship game after a a historic Final Four win. uh, We have uh, a legacy, a very recent legacy commit to talk about, and also uh, a longtime Hawkeye from years and years ago, former team MVP and a Rose Bowl champion, Bernie Wyatt, Corey, has uh, passed away. Yeah, just disappointing news. Uh, you know, so many people in that era uh, have passed on, and that it's uh, never good news uh, for Hawkeye Nation. I know Bernie was, was highly regarded. Uh, I've had conversations. I haven't had a chance to talk with Don Patterson. I know he was down in Dallas uh, for the Final Four. Um, have not had a chance to talk with him since the news that uh, Hawkeye, former Hawkeye Bernie Wyatt has passed away. I can read the official press release, Mark, and give everybody uh, the official release from the University of Iowa, dated April 4th. Uh, former I- University of Iowa most valuable player and longtime assistant coach Bernie Wyatt passed away on April 1st at the age of 84, Wyatt lettered for the Hawkeyes from 59 to 61, leading the team in interceptions in 60 and being named the team's MVP in 61. He was selected in the 1961 NFL Draft by the Pittsburgh Steelers and the 1962 AFL Draft by Houston. Wyatt was a member of Iowa's 59 Rose Bowl team that defeated California 38 to 12 in 1974 after coaching one high school season in Long Island and a few more at Regina, that's Iowa City. Wyatt joined Bob Cummings' staff at Iowa. Hayden Fry retained Wyatt as the Hawkeyes' recruiting coordinator in 79. The Long Island New York native was deeply rooted in recruiting New York and New Jersey. He was instrumental in bringing the likes of Ronnie and Kevin Harmon, Andre Tippett, Owen Gill, Bob Cratch, Devin Mitchell, and Leroy Smith to Iowa City. No funeral services are planned at this time. In lieu of flowers, memorials may be directed to the Regina Foundation. So... Um, he was a big part of multiple eras here. And like I said, uh, I, I'm thoughts and, and prayers, condolences to him and his family. Uh, he was one of the greats and not only on the football field as a player, but offered a lot. It is, you see, I mean, people like Ronnie Harmon and, and Kevin Harmon uh, and uh, Andre Tippett. I mean, those are some of the great players that have played here. And he was a big part of, of uh, those guys coming here. So, Again, uh, sad, sad news today, um, but lived a long life and will certainly be remembered as a, a great one. Yeah, Corey and I wanted to honor and pay respect right off the top of the show to uh, Bernie Wyatt. Uh, so may he rest in peace. Um, certainly an historic weekend before we continue to talk football here. I wanted to give you an opportunity. And of course, you have had the platform on your own channel. So I'm, I'm sure many have um, taken in the, the, the last two post-game shows. And I believe you, I also saw where you're going to do a wrap-up, uh, NCAA wrap-up show as well. Uh, but just in regards to, obviously, the Lady Hawkeyes run um, to the national championship game and then what transpired on Sunday night. Yeah, so we had the, the we had the wrap up show last night with with Coach Close after the men's championship. So um, that was our final show of the season with with Gary Close. And I said it last night. I'll say it again. Couldn't be more thankful to Gary Close and to Don Patterson for the time they give to talk with Hawkeye fans and talk with me after Iowa athletic events. So another great season as it relates to the post game shows. 
plural. Um, really appreciate the support that uh, Iowa women's basketball fans not only have had for the program. I'm not here to promote the program, but uh, in in my way of covering the program and, and providing post game coverage and, and previews and whatnot, I appreciate everybody. There's been a lot of Iowa women's basketball fans that have flocked at the channel over the past month or so, and it's been great to see. You know, Mark, when when football's over and men's basketball is over, part of you thinks if someone in my position, I think. Well, we're going to have a lull. Uh, not going to be much to talk about. People aren't going to because you, you and I both know you're in the business. So you you got to have viewership. <laughs> people got to be watching your stuff. You can talk about certain things, but if if people don't want to hear it, you know it's going to fall on deaf ears and and it's it's not going to be successful. So I appreciate all the people who have flocked to the channel over the past thirty days to talk about Iowa women's basketball. Um, I, I can't wait for the the season to to ramp back up in November. Um, you know, I've I've always liked Iowa women's basketball, but but I. At that, the interest is at an all-time high for for the sport and for Iowa fans. So super happy for them, and I'm thankful for the people who have supported our show and the player. You know, Tania Davis came on, and Sam Logic, who's still playing pro ball over in uh, Luxembourg. Uh, it's been a fun, fun period of time, and we'll transition now to talking more spring football, which we're going to do. I know today, and a little bit of coverage. I mean, last year I did some coverage for Big Ten baseball in the tournament. Hope to do that again this year. Uh, it's still a ways away, but uh, baseball is is uh, we're in the middle of the season now, so we still got stuff coming, and uh, we'll we'll continue to have live call-in shows and podcasts, interviews, all kinds of stuff. So what we do here, what I do here, doesn't stop. I saw a release today that uh, there will be players available made um, made available after practice on Thursday, uh, after Iowa's practice um, on Thursday. We, we do have a commitment, and it's a very notable one because of his brother's uh, <laughs> achievements. And that's, of course, Drew Campbell, the edge rusher, uh, in-state uh, product, uh, roughly top 500 player nationally, top 40 uh, edge rusher, top 10 player in the state of Iowa, depending on your service, but uh, seventh rated according to the 247 Sports uh, composite. Yeah, and, and I have not published any content about drew and his commitment to the Iowa program, but obviously a, a big one. I mean, I, I've never spoken with drew hope to have him on the show at some point, but uh, you mentioned it. I mean, just the roots and he's obviously got some of those same physical traits that Jack Campbell possesses. Uh, Drew's listed at six, four, two twenty five. Um, he's an Iowa kid. Couldn't have imagined him going anywhere else, uh, especially Iowa state. I know they were an offer a Northern Iowa offered and then Kansas state, that's a kind of a, I mean, that's a typical Iowa offer list for a solid Big Ten level player. Uh, but Kansas State, obviously, really good this past year. And uh, so he had a nice, had a few options, uh, places to go. And who knows, there could have been more schools. Uh, a, a recruit like that, like Drew, my guess is, you know, most schools probably had an idea that he was going to Iowa. So I'm not saying that means that schools just don't offer you, but I think that does happen. And so I'll, I'll be anxious to watch some more tape here over the next couple of days and we'll provide some more coverage, but uh, it's been kind of slow. I mean, it's kind of been the slower, it's, it's usually the slower time of year, I think with, with commits and recruiting, but they have had a plethora of official visits here in the past few days, which is good news. And uh, Drew Campbell, again, with the legacy of his, uh, his brother. And I mentioned this before we went on the air, Mark, you're happy for Drew because man, there's been a lot of tragedy and we just talked about Bernie Wyatt passing, but, you know, Jack Campbell's grandfather was tragically killed the night before their bowl game. So, you know, tragedy happens for everybody. That's the world we live in, unfortunately. 
Uh, but you know, it's just good to see another big accomplishment being able to accept an offer and he's going to be a Hawkeye and we'll see Jack get drafted. Uh, what later this month. As a programming notice, before we get deeper into the football conversation, um, I'll be interested to get uh, Corey's feedback and everyone else's. Uh, I am in the process of putting together 2023 program rankings and certainly want to separate that from the project I'll be working on, let's say, four to six weeks from now, which will be all-time rankings. So separate the current you know, evaluation of the programs across uh, the nation versus all-time program rankings. So I, I find that to, to be a fun topic. And typically I'll release a video with my rankings and then let uh, everyone take two to three days to soak it in. And then I'll do a live stream and I was going to say catch hell, but catch everybody's feedback <laughs> on uh, my rankings of the various programs. Uh, we just completed a series that I, I find fascinating in which we looked at uh, the TV ratings for the various conferences for 2022. And certainly Iowa is prominent in that in regards to the, the, uh, the big tens power in the market. So, and uh, you, there were some spring games this past weekend. I know Michigan played their spring game. Were there other big 10 spring games? That was it. It was that only was it. Michigan. Okay. Uh, it was really only Michigan on the, uh, the national map. Now this weekend, nobody else from the big 10, uh, and Auburn, NC State would be the two that stand out as prominent programs uh, this Saturday. And then the final three Saturdays of the month are just full throttle, um, a lot to take in starting on the 15th, the 22nd, the 29th. And I'm just curious, what, what were your thoughts on Michigan? I watched some of your watch party along with everybody else and sound. I mean, I know you were there was a bit of cynicism when you said this, but it sounded like um the kid from no 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 yeah yeah i okay. know yeah, it's unheard of uh the kid that transferred in man now i, I can't think of the kid's name the quarterback jack tuttle? In. jack tuttle from indiana yeah. okay sound like he looked pretty good in, in the i mean again it's a spring game yeah he did uh he ran a lot i was surprised by that because huh. i've not seen okay. that from him in the past and i watched him quite a bit in, in the past uh michigan basically is trying to determine uh, their cornerback rotation, they lost their two top cornerbacks, and Michigan fans may catch me here because, no, they did not lose their most talented cornerback, who was a five-star last year, who just eased his way uh, into the lineup kind of the second half of the season and really poured it on and showed late in the season Will Johnson what may be his future, which is expected to be you know the ceiling. Uh, but they lost their two top cornerbacks. Um, one of them had the best um, 40 time in the NFL draft combine, 4-2-6. Uh, and also they've got to figure out what they're going to do at running back. Not that they don't have two of the best in college football, but they're both sitting out uh, during spring practice. Uh, each one of them missed a significant portion of the season, and they had significant issues trying to find a third guy who becomes then the number two guy, so that's what I was mostly looking for is there's a cast of about four or five guys vying for the number three running back position uh, at Michigan. And I did see today uh, the University of Iowa, you know, they, they post pictures, photos of 
spring ball on a, I think basically on a daily basis. I could be wrong. I know they do that in the fall, but they posted some photos today. The featured image on the post was Cade McNamara. Looked like he was in full pads. So that's, that's a good sign. If we're going to read into photos, I don't usually start, you know, reading into photos and losing sleep about it until we get to fall. Uh, And boy, Mark, I lose sleep on it. I just look at these photos and I just, I just, my wife tells me, why can't you get to bed? I can't think, start thinking about these photos. Anyways, there's some understandable sarcasm. In my- yeah. <laughs> Anyways, the, the photo today was Cade McNamara looked like running some RPO action <laughs> with the, with one of his backs. And so uh, that's that's always interesting. But anyways, uh, good news. Good seeing uh, Cade out there. And uh, um, what, 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 why the why the have, have they run any RPO with any quarterback? Oh, they have. Yeah, I think they have. I don't know. It's been hit or miss. It did look like, I mean, I'm just looking at a still shot, right? You can usually tell if there's yeah. RPO mm-hmm. going on. Yeah. <laughs> so can. I can, hey, I'll pull it up here, Mark. Let me let me pull it up and you can tell me, does this look like that's what's happening here? Well, Maybe I'm Iowa just... fans, if you're not familiar, Cade McNamara is not a running quarterback, no, but he can not. move. He can yeah. move. He's not Spencer Petras. Oh, would you, would you I, I can't imagine them running a bunch of RPO with him coming off of a serious knee injury. <laughs> you almost wonder if like these photos are just staged. <laughs> I haven't looked, by the way, I haven't looked through the photos, but uh, this, this, I, let me, let me share my screen so you can see what I'm talking about. And maybe you're going to say, well, no, you're wrong. Uh, here is uh, this is just my Twitter. So this is the, there's the, the photo. Okay. Isn't that what's going on? Absolutely. Here? <laughs> it looks like it. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, you know, again, I don't know if, if, you know, we, I guess we could, uh, well, I guess you want me to just click on this and we can look at the photos and react. Mark? Sure. <laughs> Here, here's uh let's see, this is number 48. Is that uh Herkett? Um, maybe there's Jamari Harris, number 27, who remember was okay. out last yeah. year. Uh, I guess that maybe they posted these on Instagram. Let me see if I can pull this up. See if maybe it's just the three photos. Okay. Maybe it's just the three photos, but yeah. So it looks like Herkett. Jamari Harris, I can't tell who that is, the receiver on the right, running with him. But good to see. I mean, Harris and Cade McNamara, again, are two guys who are coming off serious injuries. So I suppose that's good news that we see both of those guys in full pads and and going. But again, <laughs> let's not let's not read too much into still shots from, you know, April 4th. Although that's kind of what we're here to do to a certain extent. Although, yes, I'm I'm in your category of yes, less speculation, more about reasonable. How much how much discussion. RPO did how much RPO did Cade run at Michigan? Not much. Okay. Yeah. I don't know. I find that I find that weird. I, I... <laughs> It's like, again, but see, here's the deal. And I'm not being right now. We've been plenty critical of Brian and Kirk and all these different things. We've, I think we have, I'm not going to take this opportunity to be critical of them, but it's kind of like when we saw Sam Laporta trot out at quarterback in the bowl game, it's like, like the fans want something different and they want something unique. But when Iowa, when, when Iowa decides to do something different and unique, it's always like, why'd you choose to do it now? Like of all the, or, or why did you choose this to be the last thing? I don't know if you recall it. Was it the, is it, was it halftime halftime of the, the uh, bowl game? No, it might've been the Ohio state loss uh, on the road. I can't remember, but halftime or the last play at halftime. 
and I was in a kneel down formation and it's a fake kneel. And they try to run the formation right and it just doesn't go anywhere. But it was like, it just, I mean, it just angered people. Like people were just livid, just angry, angry, angry because it's like they were getting killed. Well, actually, I see, I think we're getting killed by Ohio State at halftime. I'm trying to think. Yeah, it's like 26 10. Yeah. I think well, maybe the, they were the kind score. of getting killed. But they, you know, that's the kind of the reaction from people. And that's my reaction to seeing this photo. Like, okay, you want to play, you want to run some RPO and you're doing it with a guy who, Who's not? I mean, Kate McNamara is more mobile than Spencer, but you're doing with a guy coming off a serious knee injury. So uh, I know the Laporta move really bothered you. Well, wouldn't it bother you? Wouldn't it bother you? And by the way, we've discussed this, but Carson May enters the transfer portal, and I've been told on pretty good authority that that's a stepping stone. He's not going to Coffeeville Community College because he just isn't any good. Coffeeville is a power program at that level. And I'm being, I'm, I've been told that it's likely he ends up back at the Power 5 level if things go well, and he's got a, a couple possible destinations. Um, so, what, 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 again, you're, you're giving me the confused Mark Rogers look. Yeah, this has nothing to do with what you said, except for when, when I hear the town Coffeeville. That's not in Mississippi, is it? I, I believe it's, isn't it Kansas? Is it okay. Kansas? Go ahead. I could be totally wrong. All right. I don't know. I just know they're a power at the whatever level they're at. But anyways, uh, we talked about Carson May. I, I I still go back to and think about that Sam Laporta situation. And, you know, I know maybe Kirk thought he was being cute and and uh, some people thought it was funny and whatnot. But again, how, how do you think Carson May felt after a month of prep with two guys who have never played the quarterback position at this level? He goes into a bowl, bowl prep, a month of prep, and they don't even put him on the field. Instead of putting him on the field for some snaps, they give snaps to Sam Laporta, who's who's going to the NFL in a few months, and who was also coming off a lower body injury. I mean, it just seemed it's just such an odd decision to to run, and then they were running him as a wildcat quarterback, Mark. <laughs> so just, yeah, that could have blown up in their face. If there you know, of course, been an injury, it's yeah, it was foolish. It's foolish. I, you know, it is what it is. That's what it made me think of. All right, folks, we appreciate you being here. As always, we do this uh, with Corey each and every Tuesday, 87 consecutive weeks. What that, uh, we're pushing two years at this point. So, uh, every Tuesday at 4 30 Central Time, make it on back next week and bring some comments and questions with you. But we've got plenty of time. Uh, tonight. So leave those comments and questions there in the live chat. Well, I got to say with, with not much news coming out of uh, spring practice, uh, I don't know where we head from here. Leave those comments <laughs> and questions in the, in the live chat folks. Well, Mark, you we know that you we, produce the show. Yes. We got to talk. We, we we've talked about running backs and, and wide receivers. So I'm assuming we can talk about the O-line. We, we can really go seen. offensive line. I didn't yeah. want to put you on the spot there. I oh, didn't yeah. know what that we had done. Uh, I guess we did decide position last week. Are we I well, forgot I about did we, that. Did we talk position last week? I know we've talked about running back and we've talked about yes. um, wide receiver. But I think offensive line, I mean, a lot of people are curious. I've heard a lot of people who believe that that's the biggest issue here personnel-wise. And I think that's fair. Um, you know, I've said for a long time, for the last two to three years, Hey, they need an upgraded quarterback, but I've never claimed that that's going to fix all their issues. And now they've got a better quarterback coming in, a very serviceable quarterback, a guy who you look on paper in comparison with recent Iowa quarterbacks, like based on what he did at Michigan, understandably with better talent, 
wouldn't you say, Mark, that Cade McNamara is just as good as any quarterback I was had in the past, oh, I don't know, probably 15 years? Maybe C.J. Beathard would stake a claim there. Maybe Ricky Stanzi, but I don't think those guys are, you know, uh, hurdles ahead of no. Cade McNamara. So they've got what they need at, at quarterback for this system. But again, that offensive line has been porous. If anything, it looked like it got worse last year, which is obviously a concern. They've dealt with attrition. They've dealt with injuries. Cody Ince walked away. Justin Britt recently. I don't think we ever talked about that, Mark. Justin Britt recently entered the transfer portal a couple weeks ago. Kirk had made some odd comment during his spring presser about how Justin Britt. Yeah, <laughs> he made some comment about Justin Britt uh, walking away from football. And Justin Britt tweeted out later, uh, I'm not retiring from football. And he recently entered the transfer portal. Mm. I so again, what happened? I'd love to. That'd be a good question for Kirk. What what's going on there? But um, so my point is, they they've had more shuffling, and they bring in Dejan uh, Parker, who will come in, and you know Saginaw Valley State uh, transfer. He's, I mean, I would think he's in line to start next year uh, if things go to plan. Wouldn't be shocked if he doesn't. We saw Quay Cronk come in in 2020, and although he dealt with some injuries, even when he was healthy, he was not the he was not the uh, foregone starter at right tackle. So, yeah, there, it's going to be that'll be a that'll be a battle this spring uh, for sure. Now, I did uh, listen to your show with uh, uh, your Nebraska show the other day. Uh, well, it was a couple weeks ago. You had with uh, was it Coronation John down at Coronation and yes. Gre- Greg and Greg tried telling John that nothing is settled in spring ball and it's about basically about recruiting and none of it. And I I've never ever heard anybody say that before, so I'll I'll just respectfully disagree with Greg and I'll agree with John because I'm looking forward to seeing how the offensive line plays out. And they've had injuries at receiver. We haven't heard as much about the injury bug hitting the offensive line, but that would be my biggest concern. I would rather deal with injuries at wide receiver, although you don't want either because both those positions need work uh, and they're deeper at, at offensive line. But again, how good is that depth? How quality is that depth? So um, we can run through the personnel here, Mark, and if you want, and we can kind of project. Obviously, we've got a long list of guys who are potentially in the rotation. Well, I'll start us off by before you get to the granular Uh, This is what is considered to be a calling card for this program, and they have a national reputation as being an offensive line-driven program. Uh, Obviously, the defense is outstanding and an elite defense most years, Uh, but if you talk to most college football people that are obviously not tracking it year to year, but the reputation for Iowa is that they develop and – churn out uh, outstanding offensive linemen. Yeah, but they don't churn out solid offensive line units. I mean, for the most part. And they haven't. I mean, three of the last four years, their offensive line has been bad. Like, I guess you could argue that 2019, it wasn't it wasn't as bad in 2019. The interior of the line was really bad in pass protection that year. Um, I always refer back to the game at Michigan State, or excuse me, at Michigan in 2019, the game at home against mm-hmm. Penn State. 10-3. Yeah. 10-3, and then Penn State, Iowa just couldn't, I mean, couldn't protect Nate Stanley to save his life. Um, so I, I guess I look at those those three of the last four years, that's a pretty decent sample size. And is it the Chris Doyle departure? Well, in 2019, he was still around. I don't know. In 2020, they were really good. They ran the ball effectively, were pretty good in pass protection. 
but it was 2020 and I have a hard time getting past the fact that that seems to be the outlier. So this is going to be, it's a make or break year. I've said that before, but it's a make or break year in the sense that if they're bad, you know, up front again, after working in the portal of that position, a guy we didn't bring up was Rusty Feth, seasoned guy who worked with George Barnett back at Miami, Ohio. He'll come in and uh, get some time at, at uh, either guard or center, I think likely guard from what it sounds like. Uh, but they, they've got to figure out this roster. And I mean, I, I'm looking through I'm looking through the uh, group of, of linemen and they got a lot of guys who have played, Mark. Uh, it's not like you can say that they're inexperienced anymore. I've been hearing that for the last two years. And even last year, I, I, I dumped that narrative because I thought it was weak. Um, Jennings Dunker played a lot last year. Uh, Tyler Ellsbury played a lot last year. Connor Colby's played a lot the last two years. Mason, Mason Richmond's played a ton these last two years. He's been the starting left tackle. He's 6'6", 308, looks apart, has the starts under his belt. I, I, there's no more excuses for some of these guys. Um, Dejan Parker's new to the system, but he's a senior and he's an experienced guy. Um so it's it's going to be fascinating to see, and then of course uh, Nick D. I meant I mentioned Nick DeYoung. He's been out, and I'm trying to see here. Did I miss him on the roster? He's okay. So he's listed. I, I was thinking maybe he had been banged up recently. I'd have to look back at my notes. Michael Mislinski's a guy we haven't seen yet who could factor in on the interior of the line. Um, and then they've got some young guys. Jack Dotsler was listed on the two deeps. Uh, Redshirt freshman from Wisconsin, Kale Crow from right about 10 miles south of me here in Ames. Um, he's, of course, on the roster as well. And they'll bring in a couple guys uh, this summer that will we'll factor in potentially. Um, you know, their top recruit in the 23 class was a, a four-star, well, it would have been a five-star lineman had Caden Proctor kept his pledge. But uh, they bring in the kid from Indianapolis whose name escapes me at this moment from, is it Ron Colley High School? Uh, maybe you can help me out on that, Mark. But uh, they, they've got personnel. I mean, they haven't recruited poorly. Uh, it's just been an issue of injuries and retention and development. Uh, it really comes down to those three things. And, you know, uh, they've they dealt with some. Yeah, Trevor Lauk. Thank you, Hair Trigger 83. Uh, he comes in as a, as a four-star. So somebody's got to step up. And uh, you would think this spring is going to be pretty important. And obviously, summer is always important for, for the boys up front. It's the head coach's area of expertise. It's the offensive coordinator's area of expertise. And it's the offensive line coach's area of expertise. So you've got a bunch of guys who, now one could argue they lost a lot, though, with Chris Doyle because you could say he was also kind of his area of expertise to an extent. He worked a lot with the that offensive line up front. But, again, you, you're right. I mean, Kirk Ferentz was an O-line coach in the NFL. And, you know, Brian Ferentz played the position, played it pretty well. Uh, and has coached it. And so you basically have three offensive line coaches involved here. Maybe too many cooks in the kitchen. I don't know. I doubt Kirk Ferentz micromanages things. Um, I still need to, by the way, uh, bring this up. This is a random thought. I am going to start, now that basketball season is in the books, I'm going to start promoting sponsorships for this coming fall and, and post-game coverage for fall football, Mark. And uh, we're looking for sponsors. Don't laugh. We're looking for sponsors for... Uh, the Brian Ferentz points per game tracker, Ooh. which we're going to, uh, my plan is to have a little points per game tracker either on the bottom ticker or up in our corner. That is brilliant. Um, 
and uh, we're going to sponsor that. So we're going to sell sponsorships for that. So, so, uh, so you're going to track that meaning. Okay. So they need to score 25 points per game over the course of 12 or 13 games. And yep. so if, if I tune you in after three weeks, if they've scored 20, 20 and 20, there's going to be, we're going to see 60 points in the corner. No, 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 no. no each, each week we'll update it. So if they score 20 points this week in week one, and then thir- uh, 20 points in week one, 40 points in week two. Then during that week two post-game press conference or press conference, post-game show, the points per game tracker will be 30 points per game because that's where we're at. So it's an ongoing points per game mark, if that makes sense. Okay. So is he currently meeting his mark? That's what we're going to we're gonna track. <laughs> I actually had a, by the way, I had a sponsor reach out to me about that initially. He's the one who gave me the idea. I said, can I spot? I want to sponsor the Brian Ferentz points. Oh, per that's game great. Tracker. I love that. <laughs> so um, have fun with it. Okay. Maybe your next sponsor can sponsor the, the offensive points produced <laughs> each week. Yeah. It's the thing. If we're going to put Brian's face up there in the corner, we also have to put Phil's face and LeVar's face up yes. in the corner, by the way, uh, sounds like the grapevine that, uh, Iowa special teams unit looking really good again this spring. Uh, they've, they're doing some different work. It sounds like with, I don't know why I randomly popped into my head. We we're talking about points per game, I guess. Uh, sounds like Drew Stevens is having a great camp. Sounds like they're, they're doing some different things with, with Holder. Uh, I think it's Max Hoskins has been doing some holding. Uh, it sounds like in spring practice and, uh, you know, those are always very important positions for an Iowa football team that's somewhat dependent on special teams. And we, you know, we overlook a true freshman last year who was absolutely outstanding in Drew Stevens. Uh, you get Tory Taylor back, which you said last week, I think, Mark. Why in the world would Drew Taylor come back? Well, I'm okay with him coming back, whatever the reasoning, whatever the reason may be. It's not like NIL could be a huge ploy for him because technically he's not supposed to be able to make money which doesn't make a whole lot of sense. I understand there's legalities of it. Well, he's, for, he's foreign, Mark. The whole oh. green card stuff and whatever. Is it work visa? I'm sorry. I, I don't really understand the logistics of that. But uh, so many things to talk about. You're sitting here saying we don't have anything to talk about. We've got so many things we could talk about. But, uh, you know, it's, it's April 4th. <laughs> we absolutely can. Well, thank you for the offensive line breakdown. We can continue on that track. Or... Um, I, I know that I've told you a number of times that it w- I would be fascinated. And, and again, we can save this for a future week if you don't want to dive into this, but to have you reevaluate these recruiting classes. It'd be fascinating. I'd love to do it. And I've done that specifically with O-Line. You know, I produced a video last year and referred to it several times because it wasn't until I delineated all that out that I saw, wow, this is a trend over a three to four year period of recruiting. Guys who are three, four, not really five-star guys, but but high rated, highly rated guys, a lot of these guys not working out, getting hurt, leaving, whatever the case may be. And we talked about how poor those units have been through the last four years. Those units have also featured guys like Tristan Wirfs, who was there in 2019, Tyler Linderbaum, who was Iowa's centered through much of that time period, and Alaric Jackson, who was also there in 2019. So that's, you know, that's concerning. There's no question about it. That, that is concerning. Also, I want to give a shout out to Austin Blythe. He recently retired, Mark, and uh, I don't think we ever talked about that. He was a solid, solid guy at the next level. Part of that 2015 12-0 year, um, 
the guy that uh, the one guy that got drafted in the 2016 NFL draft from Iowa that Colin Cowhead used as proof that Iowa was the fake idea of college football. But Austin Blythe turned into a really, really good interior offensive lineman in the league, played for the Chiefs, played for the Rams, recently retired, kind of a short career. But hey, if you got the money and you don't want to take the beating that that the, the, the game of football exposes you to, I, I'm fine with I wish him all the best. Congratulations. Yeah, you got to figure a guy like him. So if he was in the 16 NFL draft, played through 22, he had a seven-year NFL career. His initial contract as a what round selection, roughly? Not, I, believe he not, was a, I believe he was sixth, sixth so, round. So yeah. yeah, he wasn't making a ton of money out of the gate, but he probably, well, he definitely earned a second contract that then was probably the one that obviously has put him in a great place. Um if used correctly for the rest of his life. Can we, can we switch the subject just briefly? I know this is going to be going a, a little bit away from, from Iowa, but I've not been able to talk about this with really anybody. And I'm just curious to get your take. I have some thoughts on it, but I, I'm curious to get your take. You're the voice of college football for a reason. There was recently a study done um, on uh, CTE and concussions, which of course is always that ongoing. Um, and there have been some rule changes over the years, some of which I don't think are implemented very well or enforced very well. Um, but uh, I, I, I'm sure you probably saw this because it's a pretty big national story. But uh, I'll, I'll just read this. This is actually from an NPR article dated. Uh, no, this is not the right one. Let me, let me find the right one, Mark. Uh, basically, it was it was a study about percentage of play, former players, former college football players that were found to have CTE uh, later after passing away. And it was an astonishing, astonishingly high number. And basically with the art, and I want to find this article before just trying to translate what it said. But basically the, the gist of it was that, um, you know, we focus on the big hits and trying to eliminate those big hits. But some of these studies have indicated that it's the smaller hits, the repeated smaller hits that perhaps are at fault for some of these issues and I'm just curious how much have you have you talked has that been a discussion at all on your show I have not seen you talk about that how much have you researched into that and just do you have thoughts on how to make the game safer because uh, I mean there's obviously they've tried there have been attempts to make the game safer I don't know that they've been they've been the right attempts if that makes sense so I did not hear uh, the the finding that you just brought up that kind of surprises me not that i had a judgment on it but there's been so much focus as you just mentioned the focus of the intent of rules changes and just the fans reaction to how can we make this and and, and media's re, re, reaction to how can we make the game safer obviously the the violence of the the big hit is what is Let's be honest, it's entertainment. Uh, but from the standpoint of this topic, it's about um, the safety. And it just has been um, a logical and reasonable stance that most people have taken that that must, those kind of hits, those shots must be the ones that are most adversely affecting these athletes down the road. And so you're telling us right now, based on this, this most recent study, that that's not the case. It's the constant hit after hit after hit after hit. Well, so the game of football is inherently violent. Mm 
it's it's sometimes termed a contact sport. I don't think that's correct. Basketball is a contact sport. Uh, football is a collision sport. So unless we're going to just play a completely different game, there is going to continue to be risk. Now, the health of these athletes is far more important than the entertainment value of the sport. But if the sport is to continue and it's also supposed to be popular uh, and supposed to be the same sport, then there is going to continue to be blocking and tackling and hitting. Uh, I would think that the way to respond to the issue you just brought up is to limit the number of reps that a player can play on the field and, and be less concerned about the actual uh, major hits and more about the grind. Uh, there's been some, as we see, there have been some rules that have been proposed this offseason and, and some of them uh, legislated that will limit the number of plays in a game. Now, my thought is that that was instituted kind of as a precursor um, to some of the concerns that are going to be raised once we expand the playoffs for those teams that make the playoff that are going to be playing more games that we need to eliminate the number of plays or limit the number of plays in a game. I don't know if some of these comments in the chat are, are snarky, but Trosper says, well, we could always let them play flag football, and he puts a smiley face. Maybe he's joking. I think it's a fair conversation to have, and, and I would disagree with you on, on one point, mildly. Not that um, not that the, the sport can't be violent. Uh, there's certainly, and, and there are sports, I mean, basketball can turn in, it can be violent if if it's not regulated correctly. You think about flagrant fouls and different things. I mean, I saw Andrew Bynum basically uh, almost decapitating uh, JJ Barea in the 2011 playoffs. I remember Lakers Mavs. So any you know certain sports contact sports can turn into more violent sports. I know I never watched football with the desire to see big hits, and and I know maybe it's maybe it's because of my age and years ago. You know, more old timer fans watch the watch football differently. I don't like seeing big hits, and some people disagree with that. They want to see the big hits. That's not why I watch football, and I cringe when I see big hits, and when I see defenseless receivers get jacked on a catch, and and you see a, a defensive back standing over taunting that. Inj- I, I don't get that. I, I don't take joy in that or pleasure in that, and I am happy that there have been attempts made to eliminate that i understand that there's other challenges at stake here so i i there's always risk with anything we do and if you're playing any contact or if you want to call it a collision sport there's going to be some risk of injury i get that but uh i i would just say that you know that there are things that can be done by people who are smarter than i am and i think what you just said is probably fair limiting practice reps and and, and limiting reps in an actual game for certain players. Um, those are all valid conversations to be had. And uh, I don't know. And, and if you don't mind, I did find the article, Mark. Do you mind if sure. I share? That's not, not a real long article. And I apologize if people don't don't care about this. But I just thought it was an interesting discussion that I haven't had a chance to have with anybody. And what better person to, to have it with but but Mark Rogers. So so this is, uh, this, I believe this is Boston University. Yes, Boston University. 
Researchers find CTE in 345 of 376 former NFL players studied. Um, among those diagnosed in the last year are two former players who once represented the team's paired in, in this Sunday Super Bowl. Uh, Eagles quarterback Rick Arrington, who played three seasons for the Eagles from 70 to 73, and former Kansas City Chiefs defensive tackle Ed, uh, is it Lothamer or Lothamer? I don't know. Uh, who played for the Chiefs in the very first Super Bowl as a member of the winning team, Super Bowl Four Comparison, a 2018 Boston University study of 164 brains of men and women donated to this uh, Framingham Heart Study found that only one of 164, that's 0.6%, had CTE. The lone CTE case was a former college football player. The extremely low population rate of CTE is in line with similar studies from brain banks in Austria, Australia, and Brazil, the NFL player data should not be interpreted to suggest that 91.7% of all current and former NFL players have CTE as brain bank samples are subject to selection biases. And I think it's fair to point that out. The prevalence of CTE among NFL players is unknown as CTE can only be definitively diagnosed after death. Repetitive head impacts appear to be the chief risk for CTE, which is uh, characterized by misfolded tau protein that is unlike uh, changes observed from aging, uh, Alzheimer's disease, or any other brain disease. While the most tragic outcomes in individuals with CTE grab headlines, we want to remind people at, at risk for CTE that those experiences are in the minority. Um, your symptoms, whether or not, this is Ann McKee, MD, director of the Boston University CTE Center, your symptoms, whether or not they are related to CTE, likely can be treated. You should seek medical care. Our clinical team has had success treating former football players with midlife mental health, and other symptoms. McKee and her team are inviting former athletes, including women, to participate in research studies designed to learn how to diagnose and treat CTE. Uh, I can scroll down here. I want to read this whole thing. But, um, yeah, so th that's basically the gist of it. Uh, you know, those are high numbers, and and I think it's a fair point, what what was said there by the, the, the researcher there, that, you know, there's selection bias in, in – in how they're deciding who, what brains to look at here. And, and when we say there is CTE on brains, it, it does not mean it's, it doesn't mean that everybody was to the extent of a junior Seau or to the extent of probably a Tyler Sash who, who died tragically. Um, so I, I don't know. It's just, it's a conversation to be had. I think I, I'm all for making the game safer. That that's all I, you know, I, I, I love the game of football, but I want the game to be as safe as possible. I don't, I hate seeing the big collisions and there are, there are other ways I'm sure that you can limit the amount of those repetitive hits. Uh, I know the helmet up and not leading with the crown of the helmet has been big. I would, I would guess I'm no scientist. My guess is that's important to continue to limit that. I just can't imagine when you see those, those are the types of hits I would think that are causing that repetitive issue. I would think, um, so I don't know. I just wanted to talk about it. We don't got to spend the rest of this show talking about it, Mark, but I, I, I had forgotten about it until just now. Yeah, it's, it's a difficult uh, conversation to have from the standpoint that, again, I'll go back to my original point. It's inherent in the game that that's a foundational portion of the game is you have to uh, contact someone and you have you have really fast strong human beings run at amazingly uh, you know high speeds running into each other and your uh your goal the the purpose of doing that is to bring another man to the ground 
and you have to forcibly do that. He doesn't want you to bring him to the ground. Therefore, you know, there is an issue right there. I've, I've heard all sorts of ridiculous um, suggestions made by people that don't understand the game of football about, you know, you can't just gently <laughs> bring somebody to the ground. You know, we're sure. talking about two wills going at it. Um, it. When it comes to just to address the comment that you made about uh, watching uh, forcible hits and the big hit. Now, I would say that my guess is that there is a large portion of people football fans that enjoy seeing a big hit. Now, the enjoyment that I've taken from seeing a big hit has subsided considerably throughout my life because of knowing the possible consequences of such. But just for the sheer entertainment value of it, I I will put it in the same bucket as a lot of other things that happen on the football field that I find to be entertaining an interception, a touchdown pass or whatever. I just, um, so, but yes, uh, after watching a few years and then there being obvious injuries involved and, and then now that we have all the, the research and the, and the testing that's come back then. Well, and, and let's remember this too. I just want to, I'm not, I'm not saying that, there's not ways to make the game safer, but let me just <laughs> bring out the reality of this too, that many of these studies that have been done have been on players that played a long time ago. So I, I guess my point is there have been changes made. You know, I, I'm not saying that uh, there's been enough changes or there can't still be adjustments made to make the game safer, but there have been changes made such as the targeting rule they used to, you used to be able to do basically anything, Mark, right, Mark? <laughs> Absolutely. And yeah. so some of these guys that had extreme cases of CTE, man, of course they did. Yeah. Of course they did because it, anything went. There, there were no targeting penalties or you know crown of the helmet penalties. So I am all for those penalties. I do. I have been critical of targeting and how it's enforced because at times things are incidental, and that's going to happen. Incidental contact is going to happen, and I don't think you should be throwing players out for that. Um, and I sometimes think it's not officiated correctly the other way either, but I think that's a fair topic. And I, I'm fascinated by the conversation, uh, because the human body and just general health fascinates me. And obviously football, you know, you love a game of football. And, uh, so I, I don't know, I don't know if you have anything else to add on that, but, uh, we can move on if you want. Yeah. Uh, I, I believe that, uh, this has been addressed for decades maybe not effectively all the time but again much of the testing that's coming back uh involves players that played under different rules and right. also with inferior equipment you know the the helmets 40 yeah. years ago compared to what they are now exactly yeah so hopefully we'll see those time. stats as time goes on just going down right i mean you learn more and you realize hey this probably isn't a good idea like people in ancient times, certain people that thought that it was wise to treat wounds by smearing their own, you know what, on their own mm -hmm. excrement on their wound. Like the thing, it's like, wow, that's dumb. But, you know, as you as as time goes by and you 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 learn and you're willing to willing to learn, you, you make better decisions and you look back and think, wow, that was dumb. But, you know, you just you keep uh, you keep being willing to adjust and change. Yeah. I was watching some Super Bowl films just here in the last week, 
and of uh, and I'm talking about past past Super Bowl champions from the first you know ten or fifteen years of the Super Bowl, and they were going through season highlights, and you would routinely see guys just body slam guys, and it was completely legal. <laughs> body slam, yeah, <laughs> like a, like a wrestling move, <laughs> oh. or just hit guys just ten yards out of bounds, just clock them, yeah. and with no repercussion. <laughs> And, it's, oh. and if and if you're not the target of that, and if there's no consequence physically, <laughs> yeah. it's entertaining. Sure. To watch. Oh, if it, listen, if there's no if there's no consequence, yeah, physically, sure. I mean, you know, whatever. But uh, you know, I say that all the time when we talk about playoffs. I would love to see a 16 team playoff because if there was no consequence to the players in terms of injury and wear and tear, and it was just a video game, absolutely, let them play some more football. Can you just explain, this is a dumb question, but you think about this a lot more than I do. Just answer this simple question for me. Why is the FCS able to pull off a 16-team playoff? If it's so difficult, why, why have they been doing it for so long? Uh, because change usually comes in increments. Therefore, this was not instituted okay. because of the bowl system being so strong and the power of the bowls and that institution being so strong, it wasn't going to take a leap from no playoffs to 16 teams. So you think that's that's still possible down the road? Sure. To have a 16-team playoff, we're going to have a 12-team playoff next season. That'll be nice. That'll be nice. Let, let me just say one more thing, Mark. I've said this to you. We've had... How many times have I come on here and said, Mark, you need to start a channel for this, or you need to start... A, you need to start a channel called FCS at the Voice of College Football. I'm telling you, and we're gonna have talk. We're gonna have a little conversation. You and I, we're gonna have a little huddle after this show's off the air because I have some. I have some reasons why I think it'd be a great idea. And I know you're not. I you're spread thin as it is. I get it, but uh, I'm spread thin, and I have no expertise on this subject. Sorry, I keep looking outside. We we uh we have tornado watches everywhere Ooh, okay. in the state of Iowa, and the do rain what you is. Need to do no, no, we're there's no sirens going off. The rain is coming down hard, uh, and uh, lightning, thunder, whatnot. So, uh, cars outside. So hopefully, we had a big hailstorm uh, last Friday, Mark. Uh, some of the biggest hail that I've seen in person is not quite golf ball sized hail, but uh, a lot of hail. It was a, it was actually so bad it was just basically a whiteout. Um, which I've, I've never experienced that with hail before. I've experienced that with snow. Uh, so, uh, but we're, we've got basically similar conditions on the way this evening. So everybody stay safe because uh, Eastern Iowa, especially, you know, tornado hit Coralville, which is basically Iowa City, Mark. Um, thankfully, it did not run through Iowa City, but uh, there were plenty of tornadoes last Friday. And this is, you know, kind of early for this type of stuff. But when you have unseasonably warm weather, you know, you kind of expect it to happen. So if you're in Iowa, or you're especially if you're in Southeastern or Eastern Iowa, be safe this evening because the weather is uh, weather is iffy. It came through here a day later. Yeah. You guys All get right. tornado. You get many tornadoes in Ohio. Sure. I, I don't think it comes close to. There, there are a few more hills and things that that tend to mitigate that. So not nearly as much as uh, the plains. Are, are is Iowa the plains? The plain states. Would they be part of that? 
I guess I never I call guess. it that, but yes. it's part of it's it's part of the traditional tornado alley. Yeah. And I don't think technically Ohio would be, although I could be wrong on that. Um, but uh, yeah, it's uh, like I said, we we've had an interesting spring weather wise, and you know the one thing it does do is uh, I would think it uh, presents some issues for for the Iowa football team uh, trying to practice outside. So I don't know. You know, if they, they, we've had quite a bit more weird weather. Um, we also had the Carver watch party for the, the final four game against South Carolina canceled due to weather. So, you know, it's created some, some issues there, but it is a sign that we're heading towards warmer weather and, and summer, which I'll never complain about. And the, and the Iowa State Fair, Mark, which you're going to come down for this year, right? I know you were big on the Iowa State Fair. I do recall those conversations. You I'm love... still big on it. That's great. Love me some Iowa State Fair. I don't know when the last time I went to a state fair. It's probably no. been a good 25 years. Probably because think... you've never been to a really good one. <laughs> that could be. State fair. I don't Let's know see. that I've ever been to the state fair. I've been to a lot of county fairs. Okay. Well, I mean, there's some big county fairs. Don't get me wrong. But uh, I'm trying to think. Florida State Fair, I think, is pretty big. Minnesota State Fair is big. Texas State Fair is big. Uh, Iowa State Fair is probably the best. Um, because you've been to all these other ones to be able to compare. No, I'm just going off. Hey, they have, there have been national polls done, Mark, and national research on this. Iowa's typically always in the top two. Um, and they attract major, major musicians and, and whatnot. Your boy, Elvis, probably, I, I'm assuming, performed. That's a good question. Did Elvis ever play at the state fair? He played uh, at the Mississippi State Fair, but that's where he was from. Well, uh, let's see if I can find out if he played the Iowa State Fair. Uh, I'll look it up. He got a little too big too quickly to be playing state fairs. Well, I don't think you understand uh, how big. I really don't think you understand how big the Iowa State Fair is, Mark. Well, I understand that, but I don't think you do. So this year at the Iowa State Fair, you've got Eric Church, uh, Marin Morris. You've got. Uh, let's see. I've heard of Eric Church. I've not heard of the second person. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I just, I, I got to find it. I got it. There's a list of, uh, uh, there's a list of all time grandstand acts. I got to find this because uh, yeah, I'm... this really has to do with Iowa football, doesn't it? Sure. Well, this is the portion of the program that we just, uh, I had somebody that was uh, on a phone call with me the other day. And I mean, on air phone call and they brought up us discussing uh, potato, not potato chips, French fries. And they, they were quite entertained by that. Yeah. I don't, I don't, uh, I don't see this list. We used to have a list of, like I said, uh, okay, let me, okay. Here's, I see something from the Des Moines register. They, they wrote about the different acts there. Alicia Keys in 2002. Let's see, 1970s. So, um, 1950s and 60s music in the state fair, the music, the state fair tended to mean a singing cowboy or marching band tunes, um, uh, extended run by L- Liberace. What is Lib- Liberace? Liberace, uh, or Lawrence Welk. Uh, 1970 grandstand began to welcome fuller annual lineups of major pop music stars. Um, 1970, Lawrence Welk, 
Dolly Parton, Johnny Cash. I don't know if you've ever heard of him, Mark. Heard of him. We're still not in Elvis's league, but Johnny gotcha. Cash, jo- Johnny Cash is not in Elvis's league. No, he would tell you that. Nobody's in Elvis's league. Okay. Elvis isn't playing state fairs once he got to be famous. I'm telling you. The Jackson <laughs> listen, the Jackson five and seven. I understand those are enormous acts, but uh, yeah. Glenn Glenn Campbell. Again. Not, the oh, hey. Elton John in seventy three. When you bring up people like Glenn Campbell, and I've got great respect for Glenn Campbell. He had a ton of talent, but Glenn Campbell was a studio musician for Elvis Presley. Glenn Campbell is one of the Glenn Campbell is one of the best singer songwriter producers in the history of country music. There's a clip on YouTube where Johnny Cash is asked who the best performer. That he's okay, ever seen is just real quick. 1976, yes. Johnny Cash. Yeah, Johnny Cash again in 1976. 1977, Dolly Parton, Merle Haggard. Merle Haggard. Yes, these are huge Beach acts Ma- for the time. But Kansas. you understand what what genre do you keep hitting? These are country music acts. They they kind of line up with a state fair. Okay, Loggin, Loggins and Messina in, in Iowa. Loggins and Messina, 1974. Okay. Your mama don't dance and your dad. Yeah, you know, you know exactly. Elton John's not country, Mark. No. Most Uh, of them. Let me just see if there's anybody else that uh, stands out here. I mean, there's, again, a lot of big, Eric Church, excuse me, Willie Nelson. Those are huge acts to play the State Fair. I get it. Statler Brothers. Johnny Cash. Johnny Cash is one of my very favorites. Kenny Rogers in 1980. Pat Benatar in 81. Seal, sure. Joan Jett in the Blackhearts. Dolly Parton. Alabama in 83. Uh, let's see. Rod Stewart in 84. Everly Brothers in 84. Quiet Riot in 84. Yeah, George Strait in 86. John Denver. I can go on the list here. Yeah, so I so w- w- you're, you're going to laugh because I don't know your uh, Bob Dylan and, and Garth Brooks in 1990. George okay. Strait, Alan Jackson. Yeah, big names. But anyways. Yeah, huge what, names. Uh, Absolutely. So what years... What what years were Elvin, Elvis's heyday? What what was Elvis's heyday? Well, considering that at his very lowest portion of his career, and this can be verified on YouTube and all over online, he was the second highest recording artist at his lowest peak. So he, he never was lower than number two. So he really didn't have a bottom to his career, but he was active from 54 to 77. Those are his years. But see, okay, so you're telling me in in the 70s, because I'm not a savant when it comes to music in the 60s and 70s. You're telling me in the 70s he was really big? Absolutely. Okay. Yeah, I don't see him on here. Never played to an unsold seat. Well, Yeah. He played the, the Astrodome. He sold out the Astrodome for four consecutive shows. Okay. Yeah. In the 70s. Um, and I, I don't have anything against, believe me, I don't have anything against, uh, Elvis Presley. Um, but no, I, I just, I think that the Iowa state fair is a special in case you didn't realize that I, I think a lot of the Iowa state fair and it's just kind of, it's also kind of part of, uh, it's kind of just part of culture here in the state of Iowa. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, 
It, it's also a sign. I've told you this before. The other thing, by the way, we keep losing viewers. So, it might and, be and Trosper, I, I will. I, I'm not going to correct your statement because it's false. But anyway, we're, what's we're not Trosper saying? Eminem sold more albums than Elvis. Yeah, we're not going to correct that. Is that it's, not true? No, it's not true. It's not even close to being true. I was once told that Jason Mraz, his song "I'm Yours," was the most played song in the history of music. It might be because at that point people could download music. It, you know, right? That's true. That's hard to track when you're comparing apples to oranges. Back in the oh, Trosper's calling you out there, Mark. Oh yeah, you sure? All caps, all caps, Mark. Yes, I am positive. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, well, we're down in the 50s now for viewership. How how much longer do we have to go to get this down to the 40s? <laughs> you going to share your screen? Yeah, and, okay. and this doesn't even fully show it, but just just a very quick, well, shoot, hang on. We should start making this show like an hour and a half. That way we have time to divert. Yeah, we have diverted, all right. <laughs> and also, Elvis Presley was a really good actor that never really got his due. But given that, I don't see Eminem, and that's that's not even a full. Well, the the my uh, MJ's not far far off there. If those numbers are accurate, is that fair to say? I don't. I don't see. M and M. So so we we dropped from six hundred million down to two hundred million. There he shows up. So he's got a long ways to go. And uh, I heard just a few days ago that uh, incredibly Elvis was the sixth highest uh, selling artist last year. Much of that had to do with a movie that was released. Sure. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, that's impressive. No, he's a he was he's a legend, no question about it. Yes, I think we've um well, we're back up to sixty two now. Some some people are spreading the word that <laughs> Did uh, you uh Mark, did you did you ever do anything with that Elvis channel? No, I have not. You did start an Elvis channel though, didn't you? Yeah, I posted one video. <laughs> Listen, I remember it, and I I watched it, and I might have even subscribed to it. I don't know. Maybe I didn't. Yes, that's uh, if I could clone myself a few different times, I would pursue that and a few other things. Is it is it called Elvis Presley at the Voice of College Football? (laughs) Yes, (laughs) that's it. Oh, by the way, we never talked about. How do you feel about Hawkeye Elvis? Uh, I was not aware of Hawkeye Elvis until very recently. Really. I didn't know that there was a Hawkeye Elvis, but I, I saw can't. something connected to one of your tweets and I ran into this guy. Okay. On Twitter. Okay. I, That's interesting. I Cause I, I, I'm not saying I know at one time you didn't know who Caitlin Clark was until I told you, but Hawkeye Elvis has been, he's kind of a fixture with the Iowa fan base. Cause he's all the events and he's always dressed up as Elvis. I've, I was on a show with him, uh, let's see a year or two ago. He's a nice guy. I, I'm trying to think of his real name. Uh, but, uh, big Iowa fan. I just was curious. We've never talked about him. So give him a shout out. Now it would be interesting to know if without you in my life, if you were absent from my life, if I would have found out by now who Caitlin Clark is. 
Mark, do you do realize? Because he was all over my Twitter feed because of the exchange with the LSU player. Yeah, and that wasn't um, me. But but there there are certain connections there. I, I understand that, that wasn't you. I understand their connections, but I mean that was the that was a national big 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 story on Monday morning after that yeah. game. But all I all I would know at this point was there were two women's basketball players that were jawing back and forth and making hand gestures to each other. That's all. That's sure. Well, you don't have an interest. That's in where it. I would have been. You don't have an interest in it. No. You know, I mean, I. But, I, but I, I certainly recognize greatness, and she's obviously the best uh, women's basketball player in the country, and achieved a great deal and a great deal of popularity and notoriety and all those things too. Yeah, and she's yeah. got an opportunity to be the best player I think to ever play. I really do think she she's that good, and and she could be here two more years. We'll see if she pursues that. She's here at least one more, and uh, she's she's special. All right, everyone. Appreciate you being here. Make it on back next Tuesday. Bring some folks with you. And uh, we will see you next Tuesday. In the meantime, catch uh, Corey on From the Hawkeye of the Storm, of course. Is there anything in particular you would like to uh, to point out? I would just say if you if you missed out on any of the women's basketball coverage over the last few days, check it out. Did release a segment finally on Brody Breck's decision to give up football. That's on my channel. We'll be talking about Drew Campbell in the coming days. Um, we'll be releasing a few more interviews here over the next few weeks and months. Um, and we'll start looking closer at football. We'll plan on a live show after that final spring practice. I'll be there for that final spring practice unless the tornado uh, sweeps me away along along the route down to, to Iowa City. So uh, plenty, of, plenty of stuff in the hopper. And the only unfortunate thing for me about uh, – you know, being able to have media availability in person is during, during the pandemic, <laughs> I was able to be a part of spring press conferences because they were on zoom. And so that's the only unfortunate thing. I understand going back to in-person media coverage. I wish maybe there was a, a zoom, uh, you, you were able to cover it this way. And I know the NCAA tournament made that available for, for their press conferences, but anyways, regardless, uh, it'll be good to hear from some players this week on, on Thursday, I believe. And, um, uh, you know, hopefully we get some good news about some injuries. I don't know when the next time Kirk speaks with the media, but uh, uh, hopefully we'll get some good news by the end of spring practice that, hey, certain guys like Seth Anderson, Jacob Bostic are doing better injury-wise. Keith McNamara is full speed. Uh, Eric All is 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 better. And, uh, you know, maybe we'll see. Maybe we'll see some advancement in that open scrimmage uh, up front because that's going to be a, a huge factor once we get to, to September. All right. And Trosper, yes, may, way more than 146. But uh, again, I'm not going to go after people in the chat. We are going to shut it down here at the Voice of College Football. We will see you live in just a few minutes over on the Nebraska channel for our Huskers show at 7 Eastern at 6 Central. Appreciate you being here. See you next week.